are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. You're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You're listening to who? Though is wonderful and might I add, handsome host of this podcast, multimedia journalist and graphic designer. That's me, Miller Thomas. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24. It's at my portfolio again. I'll say it one more time for you guys. MillerThomas24.MyPortfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. On today's show, we're going to be talking about last night's uh, playoff games, Astros versus Rays, Braves versus Dodgers. And then in the second segment, I want to talk about an article written by Arizona Sports. It's about the five questions the Diamondbacks need to answer this offseason. But first, if your company is interested in reaching men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring this podcast. Locked on Diamondbacks is listened to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 and 44. So if you want men in that age range, this is your spot. Plus, I'll read to the most reasonable around. Email me at LockedOnDiamondbacks at gmail.com to find out more. And don't forget to go to RockAuto.com. Because today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Alright, I first want to start off with that Rays vs. Astros game because I thought this was a pretty interesting one. This was the Manuel Margot game. This is how it's going to be remembered. Margot was just pretty much everywhere in this one. He really let his presence be felt and he's probably the, the MVP of this game. If you had to pick one, I mean, what he did in this game was phenomenal. Not only was his offense great, but so was his defense. I know you guys had to see that catch because he made one of the best catches probably in postseason history. Uh, He took a tumble trying to catch a foul ball. He was running toward the foul ball line. He was running toward the pole. He caught the ball, and he flipped over the side of the wall, and he still made the catch, still hung on. To the ball, and it was just a phenomenal play all around, and it was really just one of those things, one of those momentum builders for your team where you just feel like your team gets a shot of energy when one of your players do that. I mean, a catch like that just ignites your ball club, and that wasn't all he did. It was also great offensively against the Rays, or excuse me, against the Astros. He's on the Rays because in the bottom of the first inning, he got the scoring started. Three-run home run for Tampa Bay, and they never looked back after that. Astros tried to come back with a Carlos Correa solo home run in the top of the six to give them a 3-1 to one deficit to cut the lead to 3-1 to one for the Astros. But then Zunino hit a solo home run in the bottom of the seventh, and the Astros got another one back in the top of the ninth. But that's how they lost, 4-2. to two. It was great pitching on both sides. You can't really complain from either side because if you're an Astros fan, Lance McCullers went seven strong innings for you. One earned run, four hits. He had 11 strikeouts. He gave up two home runs, but some of them, somehow only one of them was earned. I think it was because... It wasn't all on McCullers. There was a little bit was on McCullers, but there's really two reasons why. There was two reasons why 
the Astros lost that game. And one of them was because of McCullers, because McCullers did have that one bad pitch where he uh, allowed the home run. I mean, he allowed two home runs, but it was really just one bad pitch that really hurt him in this game. If I could find the exact play it was as I'm reading, it's always tough to do to talk and read at the same time, but I know uh, McCullers only made one bad play in this one. Or should I say one bad pitch because I found in my notes what exactly I was looking for. But this game really came down to two mistakes. It was a Jose Altuve throwing error that kept the Rays first inning rally alive. It pretty much led to that Margot home run. And it was a pretty uncharacteristic mistake for Altuve who's a, a pretty good second baseman, especially defensively. He usually doesn't make too many mistakes and definitely a big error like that in a playoff game that has so many Big time implications. I mean, look what it led to. It led to a manual Margot home run, which might have gave him the confidence later in that game to make a spectacular catch. And then the second mistake from the Astros was that curveball that McCullers left up to Manuel Margot, who just destroyed, just smashed it over the center field fence for a three-run home run. So those were probably the two biggest mistakes for this Astros team yesterday, but you still got the series now is 2 nothing. The Rays definitely look like the best team in the American League, and I really thought the Astros were going to pull this off. Now, it's not over yet. Uquiti is on the mound tonight versus Yarborough, so I think that will be a good pitching performance. I think the offense of one of these teams might have to step up tonight. I think we might see a couple home runs from either side, but I'm going to go with the Astros tonight to... Hopefully, uh, I'm going with the Astros tonight because they're the more desperate team and they don't want to fall behind 3-0 because it's almost impossible to come back from a 3-0 deficit in a postseason series. Now, let's move to that Braves versus Dodgers game. And that one, uh, it's just so intriguing to me because both of these two teams are, of course, the two best in all of baseball, of course. I don't really think that's an argument right now, at least in the postseason. I don't think that's an argument right now. And last night was all Braves. I mean, the Braves came in there, and they, their pitching wasn't any less dominant than it's already been. Their pitching, again, put on a, a show as to why they've been the only undefeated left in the postseason. The Dodgers were the other only undefeated team until last night when the Braves beat them. Both of them entered the game as undefeated teams in the postseason. Last night was the Braves night. We saw another great pitching performance from their starter, Max Freed. He went six innings, one earned run, nine strikeouts to give up one home run. And Walker Buehler was good too. Five innings, one earned run, seven strikeouts, but he did have five walks and a home run allowed, which you don't like to see, but both of these bullpens came in and performed pretty well. That is until Blake Trinian of the Dodgers, their relief pitcher, made a bad pitch to the the catcher, the number nine hitter, Austin Riley of the Braves. In the ninth inning, he made a bad pitch in uh, just a 1-1 ball game. It was a tie game in the top of the ninth, and he made a bad pitch, and Riley took it and broke the tie. Solo home run for the catcher of the Braves, and Braves went on to score a, a few more runs in that inning, ended up putting Four runs on the board in the top of ninth. Very clutch hitting from the Braves to down the Dodgers in this one, who definitely were probably confident to make a comeback in this one. But if you're the Braves, I mean, you have to feel good if you're Braves. If you're a Braves fan right now, you've been undefeated in the postseason. Your pitching has 
pretty much what shut down everyone. You've probably given them uh, given up five earned runs total in the postseason so far. Uh, your offense comes through when needs to. You got studs in that lineup, and you are able to shut down that dangerous Dodgers lineup. Now, tonight on the mound for both teams, it's going to be Ian, he- Ian Anderson on the mound for the Braves, the rookie. We thought Clayton Kershaw was going to be pitching tonight for the Dodgers as well, but he got quote-unquote back spasms. I, go li- I like to call them pressure spasms. Now, I'm not saying he's faking his injury or anything like that, but I think his back tightened up a little bit because he knew what kind of pressure was going to be on the line. I mean, we're in the championship series now. This is where pressure starts to creep in the sweat starts to starts to dribble down Kershaw's face and he gets a little nervous and gets a little anxious so I'm very curious to see what Kershaw looks like in his next start I'm not convinced he'll be good in his next start I'm not convinced Kershaw is gonna have a great postseason after we did early on but great game one by the Braves and hopefully they could come back out because I did pick the Braves in the series so hopefully they could come back out and make my prediction correct now coming up I'll get into the five questions the Diamondbacks need to answer, courtesy of Arizona Sports. But first, let me tell you guys about rockauto.com because with the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain store front. Wander often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto part customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. It's amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into it. Let's talk about those five questions that the Arizona Diamondbacks need to answer this offseason. Now, the first question is, will the Diamondbacks trim their payroll? Remember, this is courtesy of Arizona Sports, written by Kellen Olson. And the first one, the first question was, will the D-backs trim the payroll? And, of course, they, you know, it's a tough time with covid We've seen jobs be furloughed. We've seen, you know, employees be cut just because of payroll issues and, you know, just luxury tax issues. But this is baseball. There's no salary cap. And I think these teams make way too much money for for them to really complain about costs and for salary cap, honestly. I mean, the D-backs are not a team that spends a lot of money. Madison Bumgarner only made $6 million in 2020, and that money will, that contract was backloaded, so it's going to jump to $19 million in 2021, and then $23 million for the two years after that, but 
Bumgarner is the highest paid player on this team. And then after that, there's no one else making at least double digits on this team. I don't know if there's anyone even at $8 million on this team. I have to double check that, but I know everyone else is definitely under 10 million. So it's not like the D-backs are really paying anyone. So I get upset when I keep hearing the D-backs need to trim payroll because who are they paying? What stars are on this team that are getting contracts right now? They're hurting their, their, their wallets so badly, this ownership wallets so badly that they have to go cut payroll because there's not uh, there's talent on this team, but it's not star talent. Maybe Ketel Marte, but it's a lot of guys you, who you got lucky with, a lot of buy-low candidates, a lot of guys you picked up off the waiver wire, guys you traded for who are uh, good prospects but not elite of the elite. So I don't know who the D-backs are paying right now that they need to cut or get rid of. I don't know where the, the stars are on this team that are garnering these big contracts, but I'm tired of hearing hearing about the Diamondbacks complaining about money and a payroll. All right, the next question on this list is, how does the team replace Starring Marte? And I think this is a great question. I'm not in the Dalton Varsho camp just yet. It was a small sample size for him, but he wasn't very impressive, at least to my eye. He had a few home runs. He had a couple triples, but I don't think he was... As great as I would have liked for such a highly touted prospect. And I think really the best option that the D-backs really might look at is just putting Ketel Marte in center field. I like him at second base too. But if you think you could go out there and get a guy like DJ LeMayu to replace Ketel Marte at second base. And then you can move uh, Marte to center field. I think that's a pretty good move as well. I think I would do a deal like that. DJ LeMayu has been a stud offensively for about six straight years now. He's led the league in batting average a couple times. Just led the league in OBP as well, and I think even OPS. So I think LeMayu's a stud offensively. He's a little bit older on the wrong side of 30, but for like a two- or three-year deal, I think he could really help this lineup. Then you can move Ketel Marte to center field, and he could be one of the best offensive center fielders in all of baseball. So maybe the D-backs go out and try to trade for someone, but I really think free agency is where the D-backs are going to make their mark and fill that hole in center field. All right, let's see that third question, which is, is there a move made to upgrade the batting order? We know how bad the D-backs offense was in 2020. They're 29th in home runs, 22nd in OPS, and 19 in runs scored. So basically, this offense was atrocious. Now, we saw career lows from guys like Eduardo Escobar. Ketel Marte didn't look the same as last season. And I thought we got some pretty good performances from guys like uh, David Peralta and Nick Ahmed. I feel like they weren't too bad, but Carson Kelly wasn't that good. Christian Walker, I thought, was solid. But this team definitely needs a boost in this lineup. I think it's a good lineup, but not a great lineup. It's a lot of good hitters, but... It's a lot of good players, a lot of solid players, but no stars. It's a lot of more complimentary pieces. And I'm fine with a lineup full of complimentary guys, but they would all have to be hitting their stride at the same time. And that's not what happened in 2020. So I do think the D-backs need to get one, maybe two superstar offensive players, even if it's just like a DH, if the if the NL still does the DH in 2021. If you could get that J.D. Martinez type you know that guy who could just go out there offensively and just go on a, you know a home run tear he had like 27 home runs in like two months for the Diamondbacks so if the D-backs get a player like J.D. Martinez not exactly J.D. Martinez but maybe who knows Justin Turner who could be on the free agent market uh, on the free agent market he's basically like the Cole Calhoun version of a corner infielder. So I, I think that there are definitely moves that could be made for the Dimebacks. I think free agency, Dimebacks are going to be definitely active. 
this offseason, whether it's signing guys or whether it's trading guys, I think Dimebacks are going to be very active this offseason. I think they should be because this team has a lot of flaws. There's definitely some holes. This D-backs team in 2020, and we definitely saw them on full display. So hopefully Mike Hazen's able to figure it out and get it all cleaned up in this offseason. All right, now let's get to the fourth question, which is, will they run it back with the five starters left in 2020? I think this is a phenomenal question. We know about Bumgarner, his struggles. He was off of the D-backs and move off of him in the offseason. I wouldn't be too mad at all. I mean, he just struggled so badly. He had a couple good starts at the end where he went like 10 innings, no earned run, but his velocity took a big hit, so I'm just I'm just so nervous about Kershaw's prospects for 2021. Zach Allen has to come back. I mean, he was a superstar this year. Cy Young candidate. There's no question about it. You don't even have to ask me about him. Luke Weaver, I feel like by default he's coming back. There's too much of an investment in him. Traded for Paul Goldschmidt, still a young guy. Had a very good season last year in 2019. Was awful this year in 2020. Never really got a string of quality starts together. So I don't really know. I do think Luke Weaver's coming back, but I don't know how long his leash is, is the real question. Will they eventually move him to the bullpen? Will they just try to send him? you know, option option him to the minor leagues where they look to move him. I don't know. I think Luke Weaver is definitely going to be a guy that they try to keep putting out there kind of like a Robbie, kind of like a Robbie Ray, whether if he's struggling or starting well, pitching well, I think they're going to keep trotting Luke Weaver out there. Then you got Merrill Kelly, you know, he's coming off surgery. I don't know if he'll be ready for the start of spring training or even the start of the season. If he is, I definitely think he should have another shot in this rotation. I mean, he was phenomenal this season, definitely better than I would have expected. I think he should have a start in this rotation, but if if it doesn't work out, then I'm fine. D-backs going out and trying to get another guy to replace him. He's definitely not on top of my list of these uh, rotation guys that need to be replaced. He's probably... Uh, at the bottom of the list, second lowest after Zach Gallen for guys I want to see replaced in this rotation. But if he got replaced either for a Taylor Clark or just a guy in free agency, I wouldn't be totally upset. And then Caleb Smith, I thought he looked pretty well in 2020. He didn't have a ton of starts. He only had a handful of starts, and he didn't go too deep in those starts either because he was on a pitch count trying to get his strength back after uh, recovering from COVID, but I thought he looked pretty good in the starts he did have. He did look like an improved Robbie Ray without the headache, so I would like to give this guy a chance in 2021, but I do think he should have a short lease, and if he starts to falter pretty quickly, then I don't think the D-back should waste any time on pulling the plug or even trying to go out and try to acquire a new guy to place him. Now, the final question is, how much do they invest in the bullpen? Now, because the D-backs bullpen wasn't very good. It was only 19th bullpen ERA and 22nd bullpen whip. Crichton was probably the best pitcher this year out of the bullpen. He had 2-4-2 ERA. It seems like the team closer right now. Junior Guerrero was pretty good as well, but the other offseason addition, Hector Rondon, was completely atrocious. So it's really curious to see what the D-backs are going to do with their bullpen. Alex Young wasn't uh, very impressive. He only had a 5-4-4 ERA, and he was a starter and a bullpen guy at the same time, but he did not look too good. There's really only a couple guys that he could even trust from that bullpen right now, which probably just Cryan and Guerrero. 
Herrera. I still love, I love Kevin Ginkle. I'm still high on his potential, but he definitely needs to work on his mechanics and his control. D-backs definitely need to go out there and spend some money on some bullpen guys. Hopefully they could get rid of a guy like Rondon or maybe a couple other guys. Maybe they could free up some cap space. If you are going to, you know, free up some cap space, uh, you know, free up the salary cap, I should say. It should be for some bullpen guys because you can never have too many of those. We see in the playoffs how bullpen-oriented it becomes, how quickly these starters get out of games, usually just go five innings before it becomes a bullpen game. So you need a strong bullpen in the postseason, and the D-backs definitely don't have one. So I'm curious to see who they want to add. I mean, they traded Archie Bradley, which I don't think they needed to do. I really liked Archie Bradley this season. I thought he was having a pretty good year as a closer. So D-backs definitely need to make some moves this offseason if they want to be a contender in 2021. Now that's it for this edition of the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Diamondbacks news, coverage, and insight because it's your team every day. And, of course, we'll have more baseball talk. And, as always, stay safe and stay healthy out there. Deuces!